Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to Bonafide, Immigration for the Common Man. Alright, so last episode, I mentioned that we'd be taking a look at the roles of judges, appellate processes, and things of that nature for immigration courts and regular courts. However, I decided to take a step back and take a different approach. And of course, that's what creatives do, right? Totally normal. (laughs) So instead, I decided that we're going to hear from one of our special guests to assess their understanding of immigration issues and how societal factors impact that understanding, like I mentioned in the very first episode. Today's special guest is Jared Diener. This person is very near and dear to my heart. He's the Director of Honors Advising and Global Initiatives at James Madison University and has been at the university for eight years. Prior to joining JMU, he served for five years as Program Coordinator for the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. He holds an MST in Modern History from Oxford University and an undergraduate degree in history from the University of Texas at Austin. I can't wait for y'all to hear from him. Hi, Jared. Hello, Belinda. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm I'm chugging along. Good. Getting things done. Getting ready to graduate. It's coming up. Yes, sadly. Sad senior. (laughs) Um, But we do what we must. College Mm -hmm. is not forever. Mm -hmm. Um, So today, I'm here to get your insight on... All things immigration, because this is bona fide immigration for the common man. And I just wanted to ask you a few questions about your basic overview and understanding of immigration. All right. You ready? All right. Okay. So, um, what, what do you know about immigration courts or regular courts? We can start there with regular courts. What do I know about regular courts? Yeah. So when you think about a court, <laughs> a court system, yeah. Um, what do you think about? Um, I mean, you know, I think that probably the first thing that comes into the mind of your average American is a judge mm-hmm. um, sitting at a dais um, mm-hmm. and, you know, prosecution and defense, all of that, oral arguments, witness on the witness stand jury, all of that, right? Mm-hmm. So the kind of the classic thing that you see in the movies, right? Yes. So that's the first thing that comes into mind. Um, I also think about that one time that I got a speeding ticket, and <laughs> in order to get it dismissed, I had to go to the city uh, court mm-hmm. and stand before the judge and do something, and I was like, it took all of like two minutes or something, I don't know. Really? You know. Um, but I know that there are other types of courts. There mm-hmm. are civil courts. Um, obviously, the Supreme Court and the whole federal um, court system is, is, is it's kind of its own thing mm-hmm. and, um, and all of that. And then, yes, I do know that there are immigration courts, um, though I must confess that I probably know the least about <laughs> immigration courts, although I'm probably not, you know, that's probably not out of line with your average person. <laughs> right. Okay, so when you think about... What you know about regular courts? Mm-hmm. Do you assume that it's the same with the standard, with the judge and the jury and the witnesses and all that? 
I don't, okay, I don't think there's a jury. I, I heard, I've heard a little bit about some immigration courts um, on the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm. Um, and, you know, just how they see tons of cases and just kind of come through. And, you know, I also remember hearing that they can be a little heartless. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But, but honestly, that's... And, and so, yeah, people come and, and they appear before a judge. And um, often the judges, you know, on, on, on the U.S.-Mexico border may not speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really the extent of my of what I think about when I think about immigration courts. Okay. Okay. So based on the research that I've done throughout this project, you're right. Regular courts usually do have um, a judge, a jury. And um, for the most part, the average American actually knows as much as they do about regular courts because of speeding tickets. And traffic things, you know? So okay. you have the experience just right. like everybody else. I'm glad I'm mainstream. <laughs> mainstream. <laughs> um, but you're also a little correct in regards to immigration courts because they have a judge, but they don't have a jury. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the due process aspect mm-hmm. that we think about with regular courts mm-hmm. don't really apply to immigration mm-hmm. courts. So... Mm-hmm. When you're talking about um, judges in immigration courts at the Texas-American border and how like, how people can be heartless, that's definitely a fact just because it's all to the judge's discretion. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a jury that sits there and deliberates on the case and then the judge makes a decision basically based on the jury. With immigration courts, the judge has full discretion and truly... Sometimes it looks like however the judge is feeling that day mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. So there are differences with criminal courts and civil courts, but usually for the most part with American courts and following the whole due process aspect, um, they're criminal. Mm-hmm. But immigration courts are civil, purely civil. Yeah. So... Um, a lot of constitutional rights don't apply as well mm-hmm. solely because mm-hmm. they're civil and not criminal, right. um, which was really shocking to me because mm-hmm. I just assumed everybody has those constitutional rights, but right. it doesn't apply. Right. Um, but yeah, so you were touching on some things. Okay. I think you're okay. there, you know? I wasn't terribly wrong. <laughs> you know, not at all. <laughs> you're good, you're good. So I guess the next question is what laws, court cases, or policy are you aware of that relate to immigration, if any? And it's totally okay if you don't. Um, well, you know, obviously the one that, that comes to mind um, first is, is DACA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both because, you know, it is in the news a lot um, and has been in the news, you know, quite a bit. Certainly during the previous presidential administration, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, um, but also because I work at a university, um, you know, we, we do have students who are, who are DACA students. Um, and so it's something that is often a little more relevant right. here on campus. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, <laughs> the other thing, I, I also think about, 
this seems like ancient history now, but God, what was it? Five, six years ago when there was this significant immigration bill hmm. that, what, what, did, what happened? Was it, did it, it, it just got killed in the House of Representatives. I just remember he, re, hearing a lot about that. Interesting. And it, it could, you know, there seemed to be some groundswell toward passage of that bill, but just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also comes to mind. Um, you know, and then, you know, right now we're hearing a lot in the news um, about, again, I, I know immigration is not just about the, the Texas. Uh, Mexico border, but mm-hmm. that's a lot of what yeah. we're hearing about right now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of become a, a little bit of a controversy for the Biden administration. And, right. Um, you know, the, the you know uh, children, you know, unaccompanied minors mm-hmm. um, coming across the border, and you know, I ha- I have to say, um, you know, just in full disclosure, <laughs> that like immigration is so complicated mm-hmm. and so complex yes. that sometimes. I feel like it's hard to un- fully understand all the yeah. dimensions there. Yeah. You know, and so it's like one of those things that like I have opinions about it, mm-hmm. but sometimes I feel like it's so complicated that I just don't know where to begin. You know what I mean? Yes, a hundred percent. And I mean, I totally agree. Um, I know a lot of lawmakers agree because mm-hmm. it's just so complex, like you said. And I remember, I think about a year ago, Swallow my sophomore year, we had Christian Gray, who's um, a pretty prominent immigration lawyer in Northern Virginia, come down and speak. And luckily, I had a friend that I interned with at Church World Services, uh-huh. um, summer going into my sophomore year, uh-huh. who brought him down and was like, you should definitely meet him because I know that you want to go into this. And in sitting in his workshop, the one thing I remembered was him saying immigration law changes overnight. Mm. And so as an immigration lawyer, it's super hard to like try to figure out what to say to clients, especially with like really complex um, cases because they could come in one day and say something and you know the answer, but literally the clock hits 12 midnight and a law changes. And if you're not aware of it, it could really screw you up and stuff like that. So when you're talking about how complex it is and how, you don't even know where to start. That's all I think about because I'm like, I can't even imagine trying to argue for somebody or doing something mm-hmm. um, legally when it comes to immigration for um, a client. And because you were not aware that a, the day before a law changed and it could positively or negatively affect your case, mm-hmm. you kind of just have to move accordingly. So I'm just, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's a whole other dimension out there too in terms of... Um you know, immigration laws and and regulations in other countries, too. I mean, you know, I've been doing some work the last several years with um, some study abroad programs in the United Kingdom. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I've (laughs) had to try to, you know, get my head around some of the issues there with sending students abroad Mm -hmm. um, and some of the complications. And I was just working with actually an international student um, who's not a U.S. citizen Mm -hmm. um, who was applying for one of those programs. And so kind of wait trying to wade through british yeah. Just, immigration mm-hmm. law or you know so that he you know he could go and you know applying for visas and all of this stuff so it is um it's a it's a big big animal yeah and especially with different countries like i 
have not traveled abroad. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I can just imagine what it's like with the UK mm-hmm. and America. But then even now, they're like doing their whole Brexit thing. Where I guess it happened. So like how that affects all that. Yeah, actually, I never really thought about abroad and how that impacts immigration and stuff as well you know there, there are some similarities i can say that there are some similar from what i understand mm-hmm. some similarities in the uk mm-hmm. in terms of the politics of immigration yeah um and brexit is a, a result of that a yeah. kind of a sense of like we don't want non-british mm-hmm. people in the country and of course there's a, ra- a clear racial element mm-hmm. um to that and you know the, the way that it's fed into the political system there are a lot of parallels um it's been a very motivating um issue politically yeah. in, in that country in similar ways to, to here in the u.s yeah that's mm. yeah it is a lot yeah but like you said i mean you brought up a good point about the complexity and i think we should all definitely take that into mind when it comes to honestly whatever side of the spectrum you like fit on that the whole thing is complex so and we yeah. need to take time to really get down to the nitty gritty. So that was a really important aspect. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The next question is, how does this immigration space relate to you, if any? Yeah. Um, I mean, not really directly, you know. Um, I am, you know, uh, myself a US citizen and, you know, my, my family has been here, um, you know, several generations back. Um, and, you know, a lot of my, you know, kind of friend circle over the years, you know, I, I've known very few um, people who have immigrated um, to the U.S. Um, I think one of the m- most direct ways it has impacted me, you know, in the last several years is, as I mentioned before, working, you know, with undocumented students like, like you and, and, and you know, there's one other student in particular who, um, I've talked to a lot about this and have really tried to support recognizing the limitations of the vast limitations. <laughs> is that vast limitations that I've, um, anyway, deep, deep limitations <laughs> of my understanding of these issues, but really trying to support yeah. um, you all through what is a very complicated set of issues that you all face. And I mean, mm-hmm. I just feel, feel deeply um, for, for you and for other um, undocumented students so that's a very direct I suppose um, impact for me I guess the second um, is that I am a person who follows politics I think pretty closely mm-hmm. um, and so to the extent that immigration is such a an important political issue um, that you know it's something I you know read about and see talk about a lot and, and um I care about in terms of you know advancing the particular political agenda um that i i agree with and i think you know on a human level i mean um i i do not believe in this kind of restrictive sense of only allowing certain people into this country um, you know, my, this is going into some personal history, I guess, but, you know, my, my family came over as immigrants in the 18th and 19th centuries, and they mm. were fleeing persecution, quite frankly. They were um, religious, German religious dissenters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
um, were fleeing a marginalized existence in, in Western Europe and found a better life here yeah. in, in America. And, you know, if that was the America of my ancestors, I want that to be the America of, for, for people, for, for immigrants now. I mm -hmm. want to be welcoming. Quite frankly, I just love meeting people from other places yeah. and learning about new things. And I think it makes us all richer as people, but also as a society um, when um, we know people with different experiences. Um, and so I think it makes us all better. So I guess those are just some of the things that come to mind. Yeah. Um, and when I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I've been truly just recruited by this university for scholarship opportunities and like letting people know my story. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was mm -hmm. about two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I did a presentation ish i talked i didn't do a presentation <laughs> i talked for um um women for madison mm -hmm. about my story mm -hmm. and then they asked me to um speak to the donors of different scholarships mm -hmm. because most likely um one of their donations helped me to be here yeah. um yeah. and so i had to go to like rose Yes, Rose Library, because that's the official name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, right, right. I had to go to Rose, and um, they interviewed me, and the biggest part of my story truly is you, because <laughs> like you said, no, like you have been the biggest support system, and me and Rod talk about it all the time, but there was one moment where I was very unsure that I, if I was coming to JMU, mm -hmm. and I remember emailing you and telling you that hey, I don't think it's going to work out for me anymore, so please give my spot to somebody who deserves it, like, truly. Mm -hmm. And you replied, and you were like, mm, I understand, but, like, we kind of want you here, so we'll, like, try to do something. <laughs> and I remember being like, okay, whatever. Like, I guess I'll keep holding out. Yeah. Um, and throughout that time period before I came to JMU, every single email you ended it with, we want you here. And I don't know if you remember that, but that has, I don't even know if you know, like, what it's done for my spirit and who I am and how accepted I feel here. Because that's, that whole time period is a blur, truly. Yeah. But, like, that's all I remember is yeah. every single email before I got here, you said, we want you here. Uh -huh. And that has impacted me in such a big way. Um, and I literally tell everybody that, um... Yeah. that JMU is a welcoming place in general. But the fact that I had faculty that really supported me and wanted me here, even when I didn't think I wanted to be here mm -hmm. or didn't think that I could be here. Before I was even a student, you guys yeah. actively told me every day and kind of just ingrained it into my head that JMU wanted me there. Mm -hmm. Honors College JMU wanted me there. So, yeah, yeah you've oh. definitely been the biggest support system ever. Well, thanks. Um, I mean, I'm yeah. glad to hear that, Belinda. I mean, I, I also think about, um, what was it, two, three years, two years ago, when Trump announced that he was rescinding DACA. I think it was right after that you showed up in my office. And, <laughs> oh my gosh! And yes. I, and honestly, like, I mean, I, I felt, I mean, I, you know, that you would 
you feel comfortable coming to talk to me about that mm-hmm. was great. But but also, more importantly, um, you know, I heard that announcement and I just thought, oh my God, this is so terrible. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this is crap. But mm-hmm. then to see how it affected you, yeah. you know, just emotionally, I think it really, you know, I think a lot of people understood that this is not good, but like this, you know, I, I don't know. It, that, yeah. it, left, it made an impact on me. Yeah, definitely. That day was, uh, it was just terrible because I just came to university. I was like, yeah. it's only been three weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah. I finally got my foot in the door. And even at that point in time, I didn't know that there were um, other DACA recipients on campus. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I'm really alone. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it was just, it was just great, like, being able to come to your office and, like, realizing that I wasn't. Yeah. Because I remember just walking around and, like, everybody was acting like things were normal. And right. I was like, this is crazy because to everybody else, it's like, oh, this news just came out, but, like, we move. We, like, we live life, but, like, this is Yeah, this, actively... is, this is terrible. Oh, what do I need to do today? You yeah, know, you know, like, like, yeah, this is impacting my yeah. life, my future, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. here I am, y'all. And you're graduating. about to graduate. Woo! Yes. Yeah. What's so awesome? Yeah, I'm shook. Mm. Uh, four years really went by. <laughs> really <laughs> fast. Is. I know. Um... And I have to do, like, real-life stuff, like, get a job yeah. and work forever. Well, and you first came to JMU for the Summer Honors Institute, right? Yes. So you've been, like, you've been in our sights for, like, <laughs> for, like five, six years. I know. I know. Um, this is a really funny story, actually. But I don't know if you knew this, but before coming to JMU for the Summer Honors Institute, the JMU was not on my list. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I'm not coming there. Um, quite frankly, because I toured my sophomore year of high school and I was like, nobody looks like me here. Yeah. Like, the diversity is whack. Like, I don't I don't see anything that would interest me and stuff. Yeah. So, JMU was off my list. And at that point in time, the whole senior class, <laughs> my sophomore year of high school, would come to JMU. And I was like, they're kind of annoying. And I don't <laughs> want to see anybody that, goes, that I went to high school with. Yeah. So, like, I'm yeah. not going to JMU. And so that, I guess my junior year, um, my career guidance counselor like sent me this thing was like oh the summer honors institute like um it's at jmu and i know you don't want to go there but (laughs) i think it'd be like great for your applications and stuff and it would give you some um it would give you some sort of a preview of college Mm -hmm. because i'm the first in my family to come to college Mm -hmm. so i don't the only thing i know about college is what i see on tv or people around me that have gone yeah and at first i was like no i don't want to go um, but then one of my friends, <laughs> I was having an argument with one of my friends at the time and she invited me for her like birthday beach trip. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to go to that. So I'm going to apply to this program that exact same week so that, um, if I get in, I can just say that I got into this program. And so that's why I can't go to the beach with you. Yeah. Um, which is terrible because I was a really petty person back then, I guess. But like. Because I decided to be petty, I'm at JMU five, six years later. Because you without know? that Honors Institute, I would have never had my sights on JMU. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think we need to send thank you notes to your high school counselor <laughs> and your friend yes. for, for getting me here. Yes. Um, also, another important part of that Summer Honors Institute, my roommate at the time was actually a DACA recipient. Mm. And at that point in time, mm-hmm. I was completely undocumented. Mm-hmm. And... um. 
it's so crazy how things work. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but I opened up to. Wait, your roommate at the Summer Honors Institute was. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, isn't that crazy? That's that's wow. Oh my gosh. So, um, I opened up to um, my counselor at that time, and her. I think we were just. I don't know. I think we were just chilling in the hallway at that time. And at that point in time, listen, y'all. Summer Honors Institute now. They have Gray Street apartment. <laughs> we was in McGraw Long. Oh God, okay, oh, on God, Hillside. Oh. I'm so sorry we did that. To you. Oh my gosh, it was still a good experience though. It's a transitional. Year. But, oh my gosh, when I became a counselor for that, y'all, I was like, wow, these kids don't know struggle <laughs> like, at all. Uh, yet you still came here. Yeah, I know, right? And I was like, I'm staying in the honors dorm because I stayed on Hillside. That's not the one. Um. But I opened up to them one day, talking about my story, and how I was really scared that I wasn't going to be able to come to college anyway. Because at that point in time, um, I came expecting to learn more about college, but I was still at the end of the day like, I don't know where I want to go. I don't know if I can even go. And that week when we went hiking to the top of Reddish Knob is when I decided that I wanted to come to JMU. But it was still like, okay. Next step is paying for it and mm-hmm. getting something, yeah. some type of documentation. Yeah. And so we were talking about it and my counselor left and my roommate pulled me aside and was like, hey, I'm actually a DACA recipient. And I was like, what? Because yeah. at that point in time, I had showed my parents when the Obama administration came out with it, but they were too scared to do anything. Mm-hmm. And they were mm-hmm. like, we don't think it's a good idea. Okay. You're giving, your gov- you're giving yeah. the government yeah. all your information. Yeah. And that could come by us in the butt. Yeah. So yeah. we're not doing that. Yeah. So I kind of gave up on that. Um, but when she told me her story and she was like, yeah, like I'm going to renew for my second time now. Mm-hmm. And truly the first time you need a lawyer so that you can figure out the, um, like what to put on the papers and stuff like that. But after you receive it, you just ask your lawyer for a copy of it because they're required to give you a copy of your application. Mm-hmm. And then you just copy the application yourself. Mm-hmm. And she was like, and um, since I'm going to be over 18 soon, I can do it myself. Like you mm-hmm. just sign it and then you send it in. And so that was really scary. But I remember telling her like, and we still, we're still in contact today actually. Oh, cool. Cool. Um, but I remember telling her, I'm going to go home and try to like sell this to my parents mm-hmm. because... They already said no. Yeah. Um, so I went home from Honors Institute. And luckily, my mom had a meeting with her lawyer about two weeks after that. So I went with them. And I was like, okay. So I know that there's this thing called DACA. Like, mm-hmm. do you think that I can do it? And so she asked me a bunch of these questions. And I fit every category. Mm-hmm. And she, the lawyer looked at my mom. And she was like, she needs to do this. Especially mm-hmm. if she wants to go to university um if she even can and stuff so we took the initiative did that um still trying to figure out how i'm getting into jamie and stuff like that and jamie's also the only school that gave me in-state tuition um (laughs) out of all these other schools i applied to which was still another like i think i belong here you know Mm -hmm. um and then i finally got my daca mother's day of 2016 um but it's still like Honors Institute changed my life in so many different ways. And, like, people don't understand it. And sometimes I'm not, like, comfortable telling everybody, like, to the full extent that it did. But, like, the fact that my honors 
roommate was the DACA recipient. Like, if she wasn't there, I would have never applied because I never, yeah. I would have never had the confidence to yeah. go up to my parents and be like, "This needs to happen." You I know? know that story. That's yeah. really interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, Jeez. I think we need to. I think we need to get you to do some recruiting for us for um for runners. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> because yeah, that is. My, I'm really yeah. sad that it didn't happen last year. Yeah, and are you guys thinking about doing it this year? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Am I allowed to do it? Are they counselor? Yeah, even though I'm graduating? Like, is that a thing? There's precedent for that. Precedent? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> precedent, courts, immigration. See how we tie it back, y'all? It's great. Okay, last question for the mm-hmm. segment. Mm-hmm. What societal factors influence your views on immigration? So that could be where you get your immigration news from, so social media or, like, physically watching the news, mm-hmm. um, politics, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I said earlier, I, I, I do follow politics pretty closely, so I read a lot of news. So, I mean, probably my, my two biggest sources of news are the Washington Post and the New York Times. I'm mm-hmm. on them, like, I don't know, three, four times a day, whatever. Wow. Times uh, <laughs> a day? Okay, yeah, well, you actually okay, follow news. No, I mean, it's not. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, look at the headlines. And okay. Five-minute break from work or whatever, and I'm just, you know, scrolling over uh-huh. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm reading an article <laughs> deeply. Yeah. Um, but so you know, I I I I guess I would say that I you know I get my news from fairly mainstream um, news sources. I listen to a lot of pod, uh, podcasts on you know news podcasts, things like that. Um, my you know my politics are are very liberal. Um, so you know I'm I'm a solid Democrat you know, very left of center, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that that shapes my views on mm-hmm. this too. Um, but I also think, kind of as I was getting to earlier, I mean, I think that, um, you know, the way that my parents raised me, um, mm-hmm. my family background. Also, I have a kind of a unique um, religious background. I'm, I'm not particularly religious now but um but i grew up in um the mennonite church uh, mm-hmm. which some people know about some people don't mm-hmm. um but uh mennonites are historically a peace church um and while mennonites until the last couple decades have been very apolitical mm-hmm. um i mean extremely apolitical mm-hmm. um have in recent decades gotten more politically involved especially around issues of human rights and mm. um, and justice issues, yeah. Um, and so I kind of grew up and came, you know, um, you know, came to adulthood with this sense of um, treating everybody with respect mm. and helping the less fortunate, um, and you know, really trying to make the world, wanting the world to be a better place, and having a very expansive view of of those things and so I think that 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 um shapes my views on things like this as well and yeah. again I'm not especially religious now but I think growing <clears throat> up with that ethic mm-hmm. of um you know love and compassion and empathy and work to, toward making the world a better place for everyone yeah. um I think probably shapes it too mm-hmm. that's interesting I did not know that actually mm-hmm. So my, my, my parents actually come from Amish background. Have you heard of the Amish? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they've come a long way. Yeah. 
<laughs> there are no horses and buggies in the, in you the really driveway. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. That, my, my smartphone is right here. <laughs> I think it was actually um, the Institute the first time I went when I saw, I guess a Mennonite woman, because now I know the differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was mowing her lawn mm-hmm. on the, what is it called? Like the actual lawnmower thing that mm-hmm. you sit on, mm-hmm. and I was like, I remember it was on our way to Reddish Knob, and mm-hmm. I saw that, and I asked my counselor, I was like, "Is that allowed?" Like I didn't think that they could do that, and she was like, "Oh, those are Mennonites, so, um, they're like better with technology, I guess, like we're like <laughs> using it and stuff." And I was like, "Oh, I did not know there was a difference. Like I'm learning things already." <laughs> there are there are a lot of different types of Mennonites. Really? Okay. So yeah. in, in this area, you mm-hmm. will see very conservative Mennonites. Okay. Who probably wouldn't share the same views on on some oh. of these issues that I would mm-hmm. that I would um and and they would be the ones who would dress more plain mm. things like that mm-hmm. um and would probably have conservative political views but mm-hmm. probably don't vote mm. um oh, wow. but then there are also you know much more um progressive um Mennonites who you know if you saw them on the street you wouldn't tell them from Adam right yeah um, and, um, you know, like Eastern Mennonite University here mm-hmm. in town, you know, a lot of the students and faculty there, um, you know, sh- certainly won't say everyone mm-hmm. by any stretch, but much more progressive. And mm-hmm. uh, in fact, in fact, EMU has the, um, I'm going to get this wrong. Is it the Restorative Justice Program? Oh. Um, that's, that's pretty well known for, um, you know, kind of working on um, conflict resolution issues. Yeah. Um, I should know more about it than I do, quite frankly. But, um, but you know, Mennonites have been involved in a lot of in a lot of that kind of stuff, conflict resolution, um, and whatnot. So, so it kind of runs the gamut. But those, yeah. those are the those, those are the, the the Mennonites that I kind of you know, uh, grew okay. up around. So yeah, I mean that makes sense. I with Church World Services and like doing their background in history, um, the whole refugee resettlement program came from Mennonites in the area. Right. So, right. That's it makes a really sense. good illustration. Yeah, exactly, it makes sense. Um, of that. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cool. All right. So, thank you so much for this interview, Jared. I really appreciate it. You're very um, welcome. It was very insightful. I think for the both of us. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say? Any last remarks you want to leave our <laughs> listeners with? Um, advertisements, promos. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'll just say that um, it was a pleasure to do this. I'm really glad you're working on this, um, and I'm really glad that you're sharing your story um, with other people. Um, that takes a lot of courage to do. It really does, um, but it also does a lot of good, and so. Um, and I'll also say to Linda that like it's been amazing knowing you and Aww, um, as a student, you. and it's been really impressive to see the way that you've grown over these last several years. You've had to deal with hardships that most students never even think about. So um, I commend you. you for your hard work and your persistence. And you're almost done, and yes. there are amazing things ahead of you. So um, so well done. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Well, I appreciate that. I'm a softie, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm I know the inside. I, I totally <laughs> <laughs> okay.
but that's all for today y'all thank you guys so much for listening and i'll catch you guys on the next episode of bonafide